What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast. I'm John Auge, joined by JC, a.k.a. Jumbo Cheese. Today, we're discussing the CFL unveiling its schedule for 2024. In quarterback Curtis Rourke transferring to a Power 5 NCAA program. Winnipeg getting ready to host the 2024 CFL Combine. Denver Broncos head coach Sean Payton making a CFL reference. And Andy Fantuz being selected for the Football Ontario Hall of Fame. But first... J.C., Canadian quarterback Nathan Rourke, was claimed off waivers by the New England Patriots on Monday and, according to the NFL's waiver rules, will have to remain on New England's active roster for the rest of the regular season. With the team struggling at the quarterback position between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, do you think we'll see Rourke play any meaningful football in Foxborough before the season is over? It's not impossible to say the least, right? This is a team that has struggled mightily at the quarterback position. Both Jones and Zappi have not lived up to the billing when they've been on the field. They are looking for somebody else in New England. Now, coming in with three weeks left in the season, trying to learn a brand new playbook and execute that, that's not an ideal situation for a young quarterback like Rourke to be in. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that in the last week or two of the year, Bill Belichick just decides, hey, like we've got to try something. Let's see what the kids got in this last game because it doesn't matter for us anyway. I could very much see Rourke throwing some passes or even getting a start in the last game of the year now. I don't think that's the likeliest scenario. This is probably more of a long-term move for New England to get three more weeks to see what this kid is all about and see if you want to have him in your plans long-term. But certainly, Rourke is much better positioned to play in New England than he was in Jacksonville. I agree with that, right? There was a very hard ceiling in Jacksonville, and that ceiling's name was Trevor Lawrence, right? The first overall pick of the 2021 NFL draft and a guy who is probably going to be the starter there for the next decade. There is no such ceiling in New England. Yes, the Patriots took a quarterback high in that year's draft as well in Mac Jones. However, he is not even the starter of that team currently. He was relegated to backup duty earlier this season after going 2-9 and nine as a starter with a negative touchdown to interception ratio. Bailey Zappi is the only other quarterback In the building, Bill Belichick spoke to the media on Wednesday morning and in true Bill Belichick fashion, uttered a few words about Nathan Rourke very quietly. We've got his entire quote on the website right now, if you want to check it out, of course, at 3downnation.com. But Belichick, speaking regarding Rourke, said, first of all, we only have two quarterbacks on the roster And, of course, having a third for an injury is a big deal. And then specifically about Rourke said the follows. And this is an exact quote. He's productive. Preseason. Canada. Four words. He's productive. (laughs) Preseason. 
and Canada, which I would take to mean if I'm extrapolating a little bit here would be to say we liked him from the productivity that he showed during the preseason with the Jacksonville Jaguars when he threw for 348 yards, one touchdown on no picks and ran for a touchdown and up in the CFL in 2022 when he threw for almost 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns and 10 interceptions with the BC Lions and was named the league's most outstanding Canadian. That, I think, is what Bill Belichick was essentially getting at when he, in fact, provided that measly little forward quote about Nathan Rourke. I will also add that Bill O'Brien, go ahead. That's that's Bill Belichick gushing. <laughs> it would have been measly if he said two words, four words. Four that's words. That's virtually, un, that's unheard of for Bill Belichick. Man of few words, he certainly is. Now, the team's OC and quarterback coach, Bill O'Brien, did say that it's going to be work, good to work with Nathan Rourke. He did also admit that he wasn't familiar with Nathan Rourke prior to the team claiming him. Um, and when asked about the possibility of Mac Jones getting back into the starting lineup, he said, and this is a quote, I think everybody's got to be ready to play, especially in the situation that we're in. I really do. I think that everybody has to be ready to go. Anybody that's on the 53-man roster has to go out on the practice field and practice well and earn a shot to play. And that's whether you're a quarterback, receiver, tight end, running back, or offensive lineman, close quote. So to me, that's essentially his way of saying, you know, you to, to me, at least, that's saying that Mac Jones hasn't looked good in practice, and that's the reason why he's not played. Obviously, he's also not looked good in games this year. But one could say that that is a pathway, potentially, for Nathan Rourke to see the field. Probably not this week. They play on Christmas Eve against the Denver Broncos. As an aside, Bill Belichick gave Alex Singleton a nice shout-out, the dual citizen, former West Division All-Star with the Calgary Stampeders at linebacker now with the Denver Broncos, helping that team get to 500 following a poor start. But regardless, I do think that this is a good move for the New England Patriots. And I think it's a good move for Nathan Rourke, right? The Patriots have nothing to lose at this point. They've had a bunch of other young quarterbacks in that building, Matt Corral and Trace McSorley, Malik Cunningham. None of them have worked out. And for Rourke, this is certainly an easier path to a potential starting role down south. The New England Patriots have shown a propensity in the past for being willing to carry more quarterbacks than they have to and develop guys. Obviously, the most famous one being Tom Brady, the infamous sixth round pick to goat quarterback of of the 2000s and 2010s. Uh, who they carried for an entire rookie season as not the third quarterback, the fourth quarterback on their active roster. You look at NFL teams and how uncomfortable they are with even having a third guy on the active roster, how many of them just have two like Jacksonville and New England will carry four, even though Bill Belichick is also known as a, you know, a special teams aficionado, the type of guy who likes the rest of his roster to be just right. Scouts guys for specific niche roles on his football team. He's willing to sacrifice one or two of those to get some extra quarterbacks on his team and, and develop them and keep them around and give them the time on the active roster that they need. So this is a really, really good spot for Nathan Rourke, not just to develop, not just to see the field, but to be able to cash an active roster paycheck week in and week out. Obviously, the rules mean he can't go back onto the practice roster for the rest of this season. But even going forward, I think there's a spot here 
where he has a much better chance of being on the sidelines at the very least going forward. And I will also add this. Our very own Justin Dunk, of course, was looking forward to weighing in on this. However, he is missing today's show to get x-rays as he has suffered a broken and dislocated wrist while snowboarding in the mountains, which is a friendly reminder, folks, that if you're going to go snowboarding, you must chickety check yourself before you rickety wreck yourself, because that sounds like an extraordinarily unpleasant injury. But I can assure you, Mr. Dunk will be back with us when we return from the holidays in January. This is our last show of 2023. We'll be back in January. I, I, I think at the end of the day, the chances of Roar getting playing time are relatively low. But I hope he does. Part of that is me being selfish and wanting high quality content at Three Down Nation. We know from our traffic numbers, and I we, I, I have seen tweets from some people saying this is old news. Nathan Rourke's not even in the CFL anymore. Uh, no, our traffic numbers show very clearly people really, really, really want to know what is going on with Nathan Rourke. Our graphic on Instagram of him getting claimed by the Patriots is our most liked post ever. It's approaching 1,000 likes, which is amazing. And uh, so people want to see what this kid can do. And hopefully we get that chance. I'm not overly optimistic, but like you, JC, I, I certainly don't think it's impossible that he could see some playing time. The CFL unveiled its schedule for the 2024 season this past week, including a Grey Cup rematch in Winnipeg to start the year on June 6th. The league is also doubling down on its Sunday night games with a Thursday through Sunday weekly schedule all through the summer. Is this good news for CFL fans? It is. Yeah, this schedule makes perfect sense. I mean, the season opener last year made no sense, right? BC at Calgary. Yeah, you know, they, they played a, a good West semifinal and, you know, two teams that were good the previous year, but especially Calgary, a team that, that doesn't play a particularly exciting brand of football, right? They were kind of a ground and pound team in 2022. Come 2023, they were kind of just a punt team. Um, CFL, granted, maybe didn't know that coming into 2023, but they must have known they weren't going to fill that building. Right. And McMahon Stadium, all due respect to Stampeders fans listening, is not the crown jewel of the CFL when it comes to stadiums. It is, in fact, the turd smelling outhouse of the CFL stadiums. So when it comes to hosting a season opener, first of all, it should be a Grey Cup rematch. And it should also be in a facility that represents the CFL well and that you know is going to be packed. I have seen some criticism saying that because the Alouettes won the Grey Cup, that this game should be in Montreal. And to that, I think it's a fair point. But if you're the CFL, I think you want to guarantee that your season opener is going to sell out. I don't think there's a guarantee that the Alouettes will sell out that first game. They didn't this past year when Our Lady Peace came. It was a, it was a really good crowd, but they didn't sell out for Our Lady Peace. And obviously... As, as beautiful and picturesque as the setting is, the stadium does lack certain amenities in La Belle Provence. So to me, the CFL got this right. The Thursday through Sunday scheduling is right. The Saturday playoff games is right. This gets an A-plus from me. Yeah, I, I think this rectifies a, a major error from last season. One of the biggest flaws with that schedule is that Toronto and Winnipeg, the two teams that faced off in the 2022 Grey Cup, didn't play until late in the season. And in fact, so late 
that the matchup didn't matter at all for Toronto and they rested starters in that game. Now, in retrospect with how they lost in the playoffs, I think some of the calls at the time that Toronto were being chickens for not playing their starters against Winnipeg and all that stuff look a little bit funny. I don't know what the right word is, but it certainly at the time felt like it was going to be the Grey Cup rematch again, but we wanted to see it for real with the real players on the field, the top guys, the starters, and we didn't get a chance to this past season. That has been rectified. I love the fact that we're going back to a fully balanced schedule, that everyone's going to play everyone at home and away. Every fan base is going to be able to see every visiting team. In a nine-team league, there's no excuse for that not to happen. That's the way the CFL has to be. You should be able to see all your opponents. I know during COVID, there was some unavoidable financial cost-saving measures that had to happen that we went away from that. But this correction has come a little too late, in my opinion. But it's finally here, and I think we're better off for that. Well, and I think the bye weeks appear to be scheduled more appropriately. Last year, right, the Argos quite famously had, I think it was all three of their bye weeks in the first 10 weeks of the season, which is obviously just ridiculous. And there have also been cases in past years where teams are often trying to play on four days rest, on five days rest. It's impossible, given the fact that some venues in the CFL are shared, to have an absolute perfect schedule that's perfectly balanced and makes everybody totally happy. But this does seem to be a better schedule when it comes to rest, when it comes to having even buys. And I agree, JC, a balanced schedule to me is one of the things that makes the CFL special because you can be a huge NFL fan. Let's say you could be like a a Baltimore Ravens season ticket holder. Well, guess what? You might have to wait eight years to see the LA Rams in person. Right. If if your team is not in conference with a star player like like you could go eight years without seeing Tom Brady. Right. Like Tom Brady, as long as he played, there are some cities in which he only played literally two or three games just because of the way their scheduling works. So to know that you're going to get to see every single star player, barring injury, of course, but to know that barring injury, you're going to get to see every single player, I think is special, because if you are a hardcore CFL fan and there's a very good chance that if you listen to this show, you are, you're probably checking your calendar going, okay, when is Trey Ford coming to my city? I'm not an Edmonton Elks fan, but I want to see Trey Ford or, Hey, I'm a BC lions fan in Vancouver, but I'm really looking forward to getting the chance to see X player. I, I want to see Dalton shown in person, or I, I want to see Tim white flying up and down the field. And you're going to get that opportunity in 2024, which wasn't the case the last few years. And also, made for some marquee matchups, right, that that didn't happen. We didn't get to see Bully by Mitchell go back to Calgary. We didn't get to see Andrew Harris in 2022 go back to Toronto or go back to Winnipeg. And we didn't. We still haven't seen Cody Fajardo go back to Regina. So I'm looking forward to seeing all of those matchups in 2024. And obviously, there's going to be some ones that we don't know about yet because so far this offseason, there haven't really been guys changing teams. But if, if Bolivar Mitchell gets cut tomorrow and, and signs in Toronto, I, I'm obviously laying out a ridiculous hypothetical, but all of a sudden it becomes all the more important that those teams play in both of one another's buildings to give fans a chance to capitalize on that. Absolutely. 
JC, I'm giving you a question about running backs, so prepare yourself. Calgary-based three-down nation contributor Ryan Ballantyne listed Diedrich Mills and Peyton Logan as players the Stampeders should try to resign for 2024, but did not list Kadeem Carey. Should the Stamps move on from the former All-Star? I believe that they absolutely should, and I'll tell you why. Kadeem Carey is a great back, and in his prime, you could argue he was the best back in the CFL. But you know how old Kadeem Carey is? Kadeem Carey is 31 years old. As far as running backs go, he might as well be 85. And his production (laughs) has been fine when he's been on the field. It's been good. But he has never in his entire CFL career played a full season. He's always missed at least one game. Last or in 2022, he missed four. Last year, he only played nine games. So clearly, the health is becoming a problem as age does with a guy who's going to take a bunch of hits in a game. And while the production remains good, his yards per carry average is still just 5.3, which a lot of guys can generate in the CFL in the right circumstances, including. Both of the guys that are also pending free agents in Calgary and Diedrich Mills and Peyton Logan, who are significantly younger than Kadeem Carey. To me, there is no reason to pay out for a running back, an older running back, when you can get the same production from younger guys on your roster. And to be entirely frank, I thought the Stampeders were a better football team at points this year when Diedrich Mills was the back than when Kadeem Carey was the back. And again, Carey was fantastic at his peak, but running backs have a very short window of success. And I think the Stampeders need to be a little bit discerning here and realize that they have replacements in-house, that it's fairly easy to bring in other guys who can have success in the roles that Logan and Mills have as backups players, perhaps like Levante Bellamy that saw some action this year if they bring him back or perhaps a free agent signing and just restock the stable. If you're going to be this group committee running team, well, you need that next generation now because Kadeem Carey is only going to go downhill from this point on. That is a guarantee you cannot avoid father time. Yeah, and in fairness to Ryan, I should say this. His original list had significantly more than 10 players, and Kadeem Carey was on it, albeit with the caveat that he's five years older than Diedrich Mills, and his yards per carry was significantly worse, right? Diedrich Mills, I believe it was 5.9 yards per carry this past season, only 5.3 for Kadeem Carey. So I am of the opinion that the Stampeders should move on from Kadeem Carey as good as he was in 2022, it's it's not 2022. It's not. It, it's already now 2022. Next year, it will be two years removed from 2022. What I will say is this. The Calgary Stampeders paid Kadeem Carey approximately $140,000 in hard money this past season. If I was the Calgary Stampeders, I would be tempted to take that money, jack it up by about 100 Gs, and try to give it to Brady Oliveira to flip that spot to a Canadian spot. They're a team that is built to pound the football and rely on Jake Mayer to manage the game. 
And given the guaranteed money that's in Jake Mayer's deal, I don't think that they can move on from Jake Mayer even if they want to. And so if you're a team that is going to be a run first team, you may as well go and get the best running back in the CFL who's still only 26 and is going to have some more tread on the tire and a guy who can catch well out of the backfield, can block really well and take some pressure off of that starter and give you that extra Canadian starter that the Stampeders had for many years at running back with John Cornish, had for a time with Terrell Messam, but haven't now for a number of years. And I do think that potentially starting an extra uh, American in the receiving court could help this team. Their Canadian receivers have struggled a bit at times. Uh, So if you can go out and get uh, an off cast from, from another team in the receiving court, if you can uncover some fresh talent, which will presumably be easier in 2024, given the way in which the XFL and USFL have shrunk, all of a sudden you might have more of a winning combination for that offensive attack in Calgary that was simply not good enough to, to be competitive week in and week out this past season. Definitely has to be some sort of tweak with the ratio going forward in Calgary in my mind and as as woe as I am to pay any running back whatsoever paying a Canadian running back is far more acceptable in my eyes than paying an American running back because of the ratio benefits that you dictated if you go out and spend a bunch of money on Brady Oliveira and then you find you know a competent backup in the draft or free agency and you can build that a little bit you become a whole lot less reliant on that Canadian receiving core, which the Stampeders, I think, have leaned probably more heavily than they should have on the last little bit. Now, they've got some good players there. Obviously, Jalen Philpott is coming back off missing the entire season due to injury. You expect big things out of here. Him, Clark Barnes, was hurt midway through the year. He looked very good early on. Cole Tucker, perhaps he takes a leap as a second-year player. But over the last number of seasons, guys have gotten hurt pretty consistently for them. And they've spent a lot of time starting Luther Hakunavahu and Colton Hunchak and guys like that in the receiving core that aren't necessarily game-breakers in the way that they play. And you know, late round draft picks, flyer guys that are certainly hard workers, the type of players that CFL teams need to keep around for depth, but you don't want to be starting them for any length of time. And unfortunately, the Stampeders have been doing that and it's hurt their offense. If you can get in a position where you're starting Canadians at running back instead, even if Oliveira, knock on wood, were going to be hurt, and you had to put in your backup, I think the drop-off behind, you know, at the running back position, you can compensate for that far better than you can at any given receiver position. So I think that's a smart comment by you, Hodge. Well, Jalen Philpot is explosive. Obviously, Clark Barnes had a... What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Great rookie season, but both of those guys do have a little bit of a knock as being injury prone. So if you're going to you know, start both of them when they're healthy, that's great. But I think you have to be prepared to probably not get 18 games out of both guys. Um, Cole Tucker, the team's first-round pick this past year, did not have a tremendous rookie season, but, you know, the same was true for Sam Emelis in 2022, and he became a 1,000-yard receiver with the Riders in 2023. So with a year to learn the Canadian game, maybe he has a better year in 2024. Like, I, I like the young talent in Calgary's receiving core. It's just not super proven at this point. So to to me, I think a guy like Oliveira could take a lot of pressure off of that situation. To me, the only other option is switching the ratio on defense and going Canadian at middle linebacker as well as the weak side linebacker with Cameron Judge. So that's the other thing I'd be looking at. But I think running back is as smart a position as any to make that switch. Curtis Rourke, the top-ranked prospect for the 2024 CFL draft, will not be turning pro next year as he's elected to transfer from Ohio University to Indiana University for his final year of NCAA eligibility. Do you think this move to the Hoosiers will boost his chances of securing an NFL contract in 2025? I suppose it might, right? He transferred from Ohio University, and and for the uninitiated, it should be said, Curtis Rourke is the younger brother of Nathan Rourke, who we, of course, talked about off the top of the show and have talked about repeatedly this year. Curtis Rourke was at Ohio University, where Nathan played previously. That's in the MAC. It is a D1 school, but it is not one of the top five college conferences in the NCAA. Indiana is, though it is, of course, hardly a football powerhouse in the Big Ten, it is more of a basketball school. That being said, it is still a very respectable program. It will provide a larger stage on which for Rourke to perform upon. And on top of that, it should be noted, Rourke did not have an amazing 2023 season, right? He had a great 2022 season. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I was something like 26 touchdowns with six picks. This past year, his ratio was barely one-to-one, and the Bobcats had a bit of a disappointing season. Still a good season, but they didn't quite match expectations in the max. So I think Rourke getting another opportunity to not only play on a bigger stage, but to also improve upon that performance he had coming off injury in 2023 is a good thing for him. Yeah, and, and I think you're underselling this move a little bit, Hodge. It's going to be a huge boost to his stock and his visibility. I don't think Canadians, because we're not as invested or as dedicated to collegiate football, truly understand the divisions and and how it's viewed south of the border. Um, and that's shifting all the time, right? We in, in our, our intro, we use the term Power Five, which has always been how we've described the top five conferences in Division One football as the Power Five. Everyone else is the group of five. Well, there's no longer five conferences in the Power Five because the Pac-12 is going the way of the Dodo. So it's a bit of a, an outdated term now. But certainly, Indiana is, you know, 
in in a major conference. They're going to be playing top competition. And Ohio, for as much as it's a Division One school, is viewed as a small school by people in the states and by NFL scouts. And that's a knock when you're evaluating players. Now, good quarterbacks come out of small schools all the time, but the exposure level is not the same. And when you're not a first-round prospect, if you're a mid-round guy, it's going to push you further down the draft board into undrafted free agency, even out of the NFL conversation altogether. If you're playing at a smaller school that's not going up against top-level competition. What Rourke can guarantee in going to Indiana is he's going to play some recognizable powerhouse schools. Now, how well he's going to match up against them, that's going to be a big question because Indiana has not been successful in the last little bit, and we're certainly not very good this past year. But there's a lot of hope and optimism in that program right now because of the new coaching hire that that they've brought in. Kurt Signetti, Rourke has talked about him and his offense, how much he wants to play in that system. It's an NFL-like system. But this guy came over from James Madison University, which was an FCS school. For for those of you old heads, that's Division I AA back in the day. They are lower than the FCS. FBS, but he brought James Madison into the FBS and have made them a dominant program over the last little bit in the Sun Belt. Over the last five seasons, Hodge, 52 and 9 is the record that he's got his football teams to, which got him hired by a big time program like Indiana. And then for Rourke, he is Signetti's guy. Now, he's going to have to beat out some of the people that are already in-house in Indiana. I'm sure they'll recruit a couple other freshmen. But if you're signing a guy with one year of eligibility left and you're going out recruiting him, it's because you're bringing him in to be the starter. And for the Hoosiers, Brendan Soresby, who was their starter last year, is not there any longer. He transferred this offseason to the University of Cincinnati. And so there isn't really an incumbent starter for Rourke to compete with. He'll have to compete with the guys who couldn't win the starting job last year. He's going to be able to come in and be the starter for a named program and gain some recognition in the eyes of NFL scouts in the process. I've got Rourke's numbers in front of me now. In 2022, he threw for 3,200 yards, 25 touchdowns, and four picks. This past year, coming off a torn ACL, he suffered at the very end of the 2022 season. He threw for 2,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, and five picks. So, obviously, still a decent season, but was significantly less than what he had achieved the previous year when he was named the Mac's most valuable player. Now, you're talking about the Mac, JC. Ironically, CFL fans who don't follow college football will have two close ties to the Mac as two young quarterbacks from this past year in the CFL, Dustin Crum and Taylor Powell, both played in the Mac. Dustin Crum was at Kent State, which is currently in the toilet. They went 1-11 this year. Obviously, they're missing their former MVP quarterback. And Eastern Michigan in the Mac West Conference is... Uh, Taylor Powell's alma mater. So I think Curtis Work, if you are a CFL fan, you want to kind of gauge the talent and experience and all that stuff. He probably would have come to the CFL out of Ohio, being viewed as a similar quarterback to those two, at least from a 
He's probably a little more athletic than Taylor Powell, maybe not as athletic as Dustin Crum. Um, now you're in a situation where he's got the chance to prove himself on a bigger stage and, of course, have an extra year to develop before he comes out. He is also relatively young. Uh, he's still 23 years old. He will turn 24 partway through this next season, which will presumably be his last in college football. And uh, obviously we'll be excited to see what he accomplishes with the Hoosiers. I also think, you know, the 2024 NFL draft class is considered a bit of a bumper crop for quarterbacks being moved to 2025. If your goal is to be an NFL player, probably not the worst idea in the world. That's a good point. But the last thing I want to say on this topic is just a personal thank you to Curtis Rourke for choosing Indiana as his collegiate destination because it allowed me to write my favorite lead I've ever written for a piece. Curtis Rourke has gone from hoser to Hoosier. That's a good line. That's a very good line. That's a good one, right? Uh, There you go. It's now time. I was clapping myself on the back for that one. (laughs) It's now time for Hodges Heritage Moment. On this day in 2012, Eagle Keys passed away at the age of 89. The Kentucky native had a brilliant six-year career as a player, earning three East Division All-Star nods with the Montreal Alouettes and three West Division All-Star nods with the Edmonton football team. He retired to enter coaching and served as the head coach in Edmonton, Saskatchewan, and BC, bringing the Rough Riders their first ever Grey Cup in 1966. He retired with a 131, 107, and 8 record as a head coach and remained in BC until his death. Keyes was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 1990. JC, your takeaway for Mr. Keyes. I think Eagle Keys is one of those founding names in Canadian football that we too often forget simply because he doesn't have as many championships necessarily as some other top-level coaches. But there was an era for a while, his early days in Edmonton, where he was extremely successful. He won, obviously, one great cup in Saskatchewan, a guy who was synonymous with the CFL for a long time, but certainly in an era before I was even conceived of, before you were probably even conceived of, long before that, in fact. So we don't recognize names like that from the distant past as much as we should. Eagle Keys is truly one of the great coaches in the game, and we should talk about him far more frequently. To me, my takeaway is, and by the way, Eagle went by the nickname Buddy, which I think is wild because he had like the coolest name of all time. Eagle Keys doesn't sound like a real name. It sounds like an object or a token or a totem. Eagle Keys, coolest name, I think it's CFL history, which is saying something because the CFL has a long, rich, diverse history of some amazing names. Eagle Keys... Might have been the best of all. And his career in the the league started in 1949. Like, he got on this early. Anyways, JC, now that you've brought up our conception, it is time for the three-minute drill. The CFL will host the Combine in March in Winnipeg, with Regina being awarded the same event for 2025. How excited are you to spend the early spring on the prairies? I'm always thrilled to be in attendance at the CFL Combine. It is one of my favorite times of the year. I have not been to Winnipeg in a long, long time, not in my own 
recollection as a human. So I am excited to see it for the first time. I think 2025, I'm just absolutely bubbling with excitement to go back to Regina Hodge. I, I don't know what to tell you, but certainly Winnipeg, I'm intrigued to see the city for the first time as an adult. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have re-signed starting offensive lineman Patrick Newfeld for the 2024 season. Is that a big move for this team? It is. Not only does Patrick Neufeld play at an all-star level, but he also serves as his own agent and does not push for top dollar at his position. He is one of the most underpaid players in the league, and that is one of the reasons the Bombers have been able to keep re-signing him and keep that core together. Football Canada appointed lawyer and flag football coach Celestin Cartier to their board of directors. Is that a good fit? I think it is. Now, I don't know Cartier personally, but just from her resume, flag football is crucial for the growth of the sport in this country going forward. She's an expert on that. And you can never have too many good lawyers around if you're a major organization. She fits both bills. I think it's an excellent appointment. Saskatchewan Roughriders defensive lineman Lake Corte Moore had a tryout this week with... The WWE, is he going to hang up his cleats anytime soon to pursue a career in wrestling? No, I spoke to Lake Corte Moore's agent, Ray Haija, who said that the WWE scouted him, offered him the chance to come down to Orlando for a few days, all expenses paid, and get a sense of what it might be like one day to try professional wrestling. So obviously he took him up on it. I would certainly take a free trip to Orlando if anybody. And by the way, WWE, uh, hi, I'm here. If you want to if you want to reach out, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to be your latest heel. Um, but uh, regardless, no, he is fu- fully focused on football. This was just a one-time tryout. The Alouettes signed Canadian offensive lineman Jesse Gibbons to a two-year contract extension. Will the former second overall pick ever become a full-time starter? Doubt he will at this stage. I think that time has passed. Now, we have seen offensive linemen in the past blossom late into their 30s and all of a sudden have their best years late in their career. For now, Jesse Gibbon has been a bit of a disappointment. He was the guy that I had as the top offensive lineman in that draft class. I fell in love with his Waterloo tape. It looks like one of my worst draft takes of all time at this stage, and I hope Gibbon proves me wrong at some point in his career. Or proves me right, I should say. Proves that wrong. The Montreal Alouettes will raise their Grey Cup banner on June 20th against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Do you think they'll be able to sell that game out at Percival Molson Stadium? I certainly hope so, right? We know that season ticket sales picked up dramatically after the club's surprise Grey Cup win, right? I don't think any fans in the Belle Provence heading into the postseason thought the club had a serious chance of winning the Grey Cup, and lo and behold... They won it with an incredible tear through the Toronto Argonauts and Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I would love to see that stadium packed full because that building does have a lot of energy when the fans show up and show out. The BC Lions have signed defensive back and return specialist Lawrence Woods III, who finished the 2023-23 season on the practice roster with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Is that a good move? I think it's a very savvy depth move by the Lions. Lawrence Woods 
has shown some flashes with the Ticats, both as a successful returner and in the defensive backfield, although he has struggled there at times as well. The Lions simply need to have some competition and some experience in that secondary right now because they're going to have to reshuffle it going forward into next season because of the torn Achilles suffered by TJ Lee, who is their longest tenured member on defense on on both sides of the ball, actually, at this stage in his career. And that's going to be a big void to fill. Some guys are going to have to move around. And if somebody like Quincy Moje or Emmanuel Ragumba gets any sort of NFL interest, that could also throw a wrench into things. So stocking up in a guy that you know what he looks like, you know he has some CFL experience, and he can give you value on special teams if he isn't going to be a starter for you, I think is very smart at this stage of the the game. The Montreal Alouettes will hold training camp in St. Jerome, Quebec for the next three years. Is that a good move, Hodge? I think it is. Uh, the club has had training camp traditionally in Trois-Rivières, which is about 90 minutes northeast of Montreal. St. Jerome is only about 30 minutes northwest of downtown Montreal. So this is a way that I think fans can stay closer to the team. The team can stay closer to their amenities in Montreal. So seems like a good move. Also, clearly they have confidence in this move because they've agreed to it for three years, which seems like a pretty solid investment, right? You're not doing this if you don't think it's going to work out. Alec Eilmaner won the John Cornish Trophies, the top Canadian player in all of NCAA football. Was he a worthy selection? Was. And I was a little bit worried going into this voting that Curtis Rourke would steal a bunch of the votes because he's a quarterback, even though I don't think he had the caliber of season that he has had in the past, just coming off of injury. But Iomara was fantastic for Stanford. Some of the moments that he had this season were unbelievable. Certainly that 294-yard game against the University of Colorado sticks out for an incredible reason. I mean, he broke the Stanford receiving yardage record in that particular game, but got better as the year went along, and he's only a redshirt freshman. So I doubt this is the last time that we see him take home this award in his college career. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders re-signed a pair of defensive starters this week in Miles Brown and Amari Henderson. Which was the bigger signing? I'm going to go with Amari Henderson here because at that field halfback spot, you have to be able to run all day, cover so much room. And as much as I like Miles Brown, I think that the Riders are going to have an easy time Upgrading the middle of that defensive line based on who Corey Mace is able to attract from one of his two former clubs in Calgary and Toronto. So I'll go with Henderson. The Football Ontario Hall of Fame has named Andy Fantuz and Bernie Custis to its inaugural class. Are those worthy picks? Are there any more worthy picks like that? (laughs) Could you name two bigger ones? Obviously, Bernie Custis an iconic trailblazer in terms of being the first black quarterback in the Canadian football league, but also an integral member of that Hamilton community who gave back to the grassroots level, uh, as a teacher and a coach, um, at the high school level. And the Andy Fantuz, you know, only arguably the greatest uh, receiver to ever come through U Sports football and a fantastic, fantastic CFL player 
in his own right, these two guys had to be in your inaugural class. I'm glad Football Ontario got it right. The University of Calgary filled its head coaching vacancy by poaching Ryan Sheehan from the University of Guelph. Is that a good hire? It's an interesting hire because the University of Guelph's program has kind of fallen off a cliff in the last few years. They've really struggled. Uh, Part of that is issues at the quarterback position, but I was a little bit surprised to see a guy like Ryan Sheehan get a bigger and better role in U sports. But good for him. The Dinos are a team on a bit of an upswing following the retirement of Wayne Harris. I'm interested to see if he can keep that upswing going. A couple of notes before we go to our last segment. The Montreal Alouettes, while we're recording this podcast, have extended the contracts of head coach Jason Moss and general manager Danny Machocha. Also a flurry of CFL uh, players attending NFL workouts. Matthew Betts with the Detroit Lions, Tyreek McAllister with the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Minnesota Vikings working out Montreal's Reggie Stubblefield and Winnipeg's Evan Holmes. So glad to get those on the record before we close out. Last one, JC. Denver Broncos head coach Sean Payton complimented the Detroit Lions efficiency on first and second down by calling them a, quote, good CFL team. What did you make of that comment? Love that comment by Sean Payton. Certainly, it was said with nothing but admiration for the Canadian game and and what that means in terms of having to be successful on early downs. I saw a lot of people who just read the headline of the article or just read the quote and were angry for some reason or suggested that it was a backhanded compliment or an insult. It certainly wasn't. He just got his butt handed to him by Detroit in an absolute blowout and was commenting on how they simply couldn't stop the Lions on either first or second down. Now, Sean Payton, as everyone knows, Briefly played with the Ottawa Rough Riders in 1987. He knows the Canadian game and he knows what it takes in terms of having to be efficient early on in the series. That's what Detroit did to him. And he gave a very genuine compliment here. Yes. And JC makes a great point. Uh, which I also need to take heed to because I also, in the social media era, am guilty of sometimes reading a headline and reacting emotionally, not necessarily when it comes to sports, but when it comes to pop culture or politics. I go, what? And then I go, oh, wait, I have not read this article. I don't know anything about this situation, and I should probably read the article before I get angry about anything because that is how social media so often works, is trying purposely to get people upset. Uh, so please read the article. Thank you if you are one of those people who does at 3 Donation. On behalf of myself, JC Abbott, Justin Dunk, and all of our contributors, we thank you as always for listening to the show, watching us on YouTube, following us on social media, and of course, most importantly, coming to the site to read all the latest news, insight, analysis on all things in and around Canadian football. We wish you the very... Happiest of holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all that good stuff. Happy New Year in 2024. We will see you in January. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.